I know. This is where you've been exercising. Oh no, you haven't. You've been doing it indoors. No, I've been doing it indoors because it has been rubbish weather. Because my indoors is is bigger than my outdoors, as as you know. Yeah. And the yeah. weather's been rubbish. But two things, two things here. Firstly, we're together. We're socially distanced together. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and secondly, I'm free. Now. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're out of quarantine. Yeah. So I've come straight round. Yes. The day that you have been released. <laughs> As I said, I would look. I was prepared to talk to you through a window. That was that I, was the no, commitment for me. That was... for me that would have been wrong for me. I couldn't have a pregnant woman in the rain outside while I'm in a nice warm house. Okay, well, so now we're just both outside. So now we're both outside. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel the 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 playing field has has evened out. But it's quite weird being sort of free to go outside. And at this time of year, it's nice being inside. Do you so, almost not know what to do with? Because yeah, also it is, is it, yes, a bit rubbish outside, isn't it? It's well, not, a little bit rubbish. I mean, it was raining, so we've got Sven with us, who might make an appearance during the podcast, and it's just wet and a bit cold, isn't it, outside? So I think when you're quarantined in winter, it's quite nice because you say, "Oh, I can't go out." If you've got a dog, and no, I can't walk it. Children can't take right. to school. Yeah, we need some milk. Can't do it. Yeah, so quarantining is definitely better in winter, but the whole sort of queuing outside less appealing in January than it was in July. Yeah, and the <laughs> fact that you could only meet people outside yeah. in certain areas and in groups of six outside, you don't really want to be outside, but everything is now outside. But we went for a nice walk with Sven. A wet walk. A wet, a wet walk. And then we had a nice socially distanced lunch. I kept an eye on whether you ate anything weird and you didn't. No, you, you were quite normal. There was no weird cravings. It's or been really boring, actually. If anything, it's been more sort of becoming more bland. That's what I've wanted. I've been craving the bland foods, just bland stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I mean, I haven't just eaten that, but it's been more sort of aversions to things than than craving weird. Yeah, no, I, I was I was keeping a close eye because <laughs> we haven't seen each other in so long. I know. How was your quarantine? Uh, enjoyed it. Really liked it. Uh, a lot of people like it's terrible <laughs> I really actually you no know, we now have track and trace in the UK and wherever you go you you zip your phone on your on the thing and if someone's got it where you've been you have to self-isolate I don't mind that happening again <laughs> I'm, everyone's like I can't do it I don't want to do it I don't want to be locked in I've I've the house is I don't know if you've noticed because you had a quick look from the outside it's it's looking quite tidy right Everything's yeah absolutely quite... well you've had some time I've quite I've quite enjoyed it uh, again but as I said last week I didn't have any work booked in that either I couldn't do over Zoom from home so if I'd had to cancel working on a tournament or something, it might have been very different and then I might yeah. have sulked a little bit but it was great I had two weeks when I had the children when they came back from school that was wonderful then they had the peace and quiet when they went to school I got time to get things done so I quite enjoyed it, it was quite weird leaving the house I don't know brushing my hair putting on things other than <laughs> tracksuit bottoms no stay in the track I'm, I'm living the tracksuit bottom I realized that we couldn't go outside in slipper socks yeah <laughs> that the, won't work because they're really comfortable so yeah you're now in the in the tracksuit bottom stage of pregnancy I haven't worn anything other than tracksuit bottoms <laughs> in a really long time it's gonna be a long time before I wear them again um yeah but I think it, it's kind of yeah, it's, it's kind of suited me as well. If I had to quarantine, I'd be fine. I'm not doing a lot anyway. I don't have masses of energy at this late stage in pregnancy. So I'm not playing tennis anymore. No. I'm not really, you know, I'm just walking the dog and that pretty much <laughs> knackers me out for the day. Well, I noticed our walk today, last time we walked together, we walked a long way. I think we did sort of 5K type distant last time you were here. That's not we? that long. <laughs> 
wasn't that? But now <laughs> we we got we got up to a gate and you were like, I'm done. Even the dog was like, I'm done. I, I don't know what you've done to him. Struggling by the you end. Are, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard. And there's me like a little bit further, and you're like, No, we're done. I'm gonna go and eat. <laughs> Gotta sit down, <laughs> just, eat and drink. This is like complete role reversal. But I have to look after the pregnant woman and the dog. So I made sure you were fed and watered. Yeah. And you're okay now. Oh, I am, yeah. You got a cup of tea. Yep. We're wrapped you. up. It's it's not too cold. It's just a bit drizzly and a bit miserable. But but yeah, we're, we're together. Sheltered. And this it could quite possibly be the last time we are together like this before your family is extended. Yes, that is true. Absolutely. Because you've got to work on birth C next week. Yep. Uh, I've got to hopefully, fingers crossed, possibly try and move house. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how does that how does that happen? How can you be moving house and giving birth effectively in the same week? It wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to happen this way, but everything's been so delayed. Oh, I hate it. But you know, it's all right. Worst things could happen. Yeah. No. Look, you're going to get it done. Fortunately, so. I'm quite a relaxed sort of person. As in, you know, I know some people who would be a lot more anxious in this situation. I'm much more sort of kind of. Is he's, there any he's, part of all this that you are anxious about, whether it be moving house? Or having a baby, or you're quite like, you know what? Because I got to the point with having the fellas and they came early. I was like, well, it's going to happen. So we just need to be relaxed because it's going to happen. And yeah, happened. that's the thing. It's like he's got to come out one way or another. Exactly. That's why I was. <laughs> it has to end. Everyone had like 10 point. page birth plans. I was like, what have you filled? The, but my, on my birth plan, if, I, if, if I'd done one, which I think I said I did and I didn't, would be babies come out safely yeah and that's my birth plan mine is like give birth yeah <laughs> and everyone's like well haven't you i was like and they said well you hand your birth plan over i said to who and they at the hospital i said and what happens then because it just it just happens and they're going to come out and that's going to be so i was very at that point i was like well yeah well that's it you're, you're in it now there's no there's no going back there's going to no, come out there's no point in being worried about something that is definitely going to happen so <laughs> you just yeah. i'm just hopefully he's fine have yeah. been healthy yeah i think the only thing i'm slightly concerned about is just well, i'm not really concerned i just want to know whether we're moving or not which we will find out this week because if we're not moving, then I can get my house ready. And if we are moving, we can move. Because I looked in your car and your car effectively <laughs> looks like a nursery right now. <laughs> it's got stuff in it. Which I wasn't sure about. But it's because you don't know where to put it because you might not be staying there. Yeah, so just a little bit of limbo. So I just kind of <laughs> want that to be over. But again, like, it's fine. It will all be fine in the end. I'm not, I'm not too fussed. And actually, I think I've timed it quite well in that I'm going to have some... I won't have some tennis to watch immediately because there won't be much on through December. But right. through January, I'll be up during the night feeding baby. I should have Australian Open. Looks pretty positive that that's going to be, be like going ahead. You're going to be sending me really annoying messages when I'm trying to work. Yes, exactly. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be your listener. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Getting a lot of interaction. I'll create I'm lots gonna, of accounts. I think I know now I'm going to be doing it from this country. Yes. Yeah, I think with, with we know that restrictions have been eased in Melbourne and Victoria, which is amazing. I mean, I think they've done incredibly well over in Australia being locked in and locked down for as long as they have. It's mad, isn't it? It's so nice to see they're getting some semblance of normality back. But in terms of going over there, there are special exemption forms to be filled out. The government has to say, yes, there's two weeks in a hotel before you even get to the tournament. None of which makes practical sense for me. I know everyone's different, but for me with the family, and I've also got the opportunity to work on it from here. Yeah. Hours are going to be awful. I mean, I yeah, was going to be awful. I'm like a vampire. Australia I mean, hours, might be... Hours are going to be awful. <laughs> the, worst, the worst one. But my hours will be awful as well at home. So I'll be able to... I'll have all of oh, January... Right, 
Oh, there's lots to watch. And then in March, it'll be Indian Wells and Miami as well, keeping me up going through the night. So I'm going to be very happy and entertained. You're going to be very trigger happy with your messages. Do you I, I just have a feeling. Because <laughs> sometimes I have my phone nearby just in case there's an emergency or something. And sometimes we can check social media for, you get stats and little bits yeah. of information that, that come through. So it's, it's not abnormal for a commentator to have their phone or a tablet nearby because you get lots of bits and pieces it might be someone a friend say yourself feeding a baby listening and you remember something you send a little fact or something through you're i'm just gonna have to mute you or yeah something. because i'll just be like what are you talking about you'll be about? asking really weird questions you know i don't know the baby is fed for this long is that normal i'm like it's match point <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to talk about that at the moment <laughs> it's five all in the yeah, fifth five all in the fifth we've been going for hours and you're <laughs> asking me if not now <laughs> so that's that's to come well We'll, we'll document that on the podcast when that time comes around. But something we did a lot on last week was um, the queries fleeing Russia. Um, I, I still don't know where they are, by the way. I, mean, I know. I haven't, I haven't spent a lot of time looking into it, but they, they've kept their heads down. Yep. Apart from the fact that Sam Query has now got into Bercy. Congratulations to him. Yeah. <laughs> so I imagine that's the next time we'll see him. He'll pop up in Bercy. Do you think he's going to play? Do you not? Well, if I were him, I think I might just why say... Why not? Thank you, 2020. I'll see you in 2021. Why? Well, I don't know. Well, we, st- we still don't know if there's going to be any sanctions. Well, that's up to them, isn't it? It's up to the authorities. You just play until the sanctions come in. He's, just he's there. He wants to play the indoor tournaments. It suits his game. Why not? You might think, well, I'm not going to get it again. But then Benoit Pair kept negative, positive, negative, positive, negative, positive yeah. for, for quite a while. And we, do, we should say Versi now confirmed... And that's the problem with COVID. It changes all the time. But a thousand fans during the day, no one at night. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense. Because of the curfew. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So that's, so that's good. And we know, we knew that Novak Djokovic wasn't playing, but we now know, and he's playing today, as we record this on Tuesday in an hour or so, he's two wins away from ending the year number one. Yeah. That'll be done. Yeah. So Rafa Nadal is not playing Bercy and tour finals to be number one. He is playing, well, he might be playing them because he's been at home for a long time and he hasn't played a lot of tennis like a lot of people. Yeah. But secondly, because he's missing these two and maybe it's just an opportunity to try and grab one or both of those titles that he's missing. Yes, and record-breaking, more records to break, more goals to hit in terms of weeks at number one potentially. Uh, and surely, surely the amount of points that he would amass as a number one would be huge although i do think that that would be worthy of an asterisk <laughs> because it's not a 12 month rolling oh, ranking one of those now are you? <laughs> yeah exactly um but yeah so i think uh he's definitely determined i think to to lock that in as as quickly as he can and it'll be really interesting to do so and can you believe it if we rewound i'd love to listen back to our, i don't really listen back to our pods very much but if we listen back to our pods in say the beginning of <laughs> august before the slams happened and if we said there were going to be two Grand Slams that are both going to happen. Well, and you didn't think there were going to be any tennis. Not in August. I think back in April, I didn't think there was going to be any tennis. And I was still... Well, I was ridiculously hopeful. I was. I thought there would be tennis in like June and July. Yeah, I mean, you I thought was, the French Open was going to happen when it did. <laughs> but imagine if we said that the two Slams are going to get played, everything's going to be fine, uh, but Djokovic isn't going to win either of them. Oh. I hadn't thought about that. That's weird. It's quite well, strange. He, sh- he should have won US Open. We're well, not going to go back to all that again. But he should have... I mean, well, I don't know, Dominic Team. No, come on. Who's to say PCB wouldn't have beaten him in that match? He was winning. Okay. 
no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> okay, I've just. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, look, Djokovic. Look, we're not gonna go through that, but he should have won the US Open. He should have still been in. He shouldn't have done what he did, and then he would have beaten, I think, whoever he faced at whatever level they played in the final. I mean, we'll never know, but I think. But anyway, think. can we go back to <laughs> the quarries fleeing Russia? Right. This, yes. This made me think of something. Oh, we don't know where they are, but. Was there ever anywhere you travelled to where you didn't feel that safe? I'm not saying he f- he fleed Russia because he didn't feel safe, but, you know, we sort of... It felt a bit weird that he was doing that and how he was acting. Is there anywhere you went that you felt a little bit unsafe or insecure or something like that? Because you were travelling as a young person on your own to far-flung destinations. Yeah, but I think the being young thing, you don't really have so much knowledge of the... <laughs> the lack of safety <laughs> I think a little bit more when you get older because a lot of it's kind of I don't know it's it, you know, it's such a it's such a global sport we play in all these different sorts of countries and it, it it's almost a lot of it's political you know if you know what I mean so for example I when I got a little bit older I wouldn't play I wouldn't go to places that I thought I was going to be unsafe. So, for example... Um, oh, so you d- it was a consideration? Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, like, there are lots of stories of you know players being in really difficult situations. I mean, you know, you had the, the terrorist attack in um, Tunisia, which was just li- literally not far at all from the tournament site where they have the um, $15,000 there week in, week out in Seuss. So a lot of Brits died in... In that situation, um, you know, in Egypt, you had the Russian plane that was taken down. And then actually, um, some of my players were going to Egypt. This is when I was coaching. They were going Egypt to Egypt to play in Sharm el-Sheikh. And they were sent a message, uh, sent an email um, from the ITF saying that uh, <laughs> your, your nation's embassy has left. <laughs> so, uh, so your nation's embassy has left, which means if anything goes wrong... There's no, there's no one to help you, as in you'll be the last people helped. So whether it was a, a terrorist attack or... And as I say, this was just kind of straight after the, the plane had gone down and all this sort of stuff. So I said to them, I was like, well, don't go. You know what? There are tournaments in France. <laughs> you can play those. There's some in Greece. Slides in Greece. <laughs> Let's go to Heraklion. Um, and so that's something where, as a player, I personally wouldn't have gone. I knew about all the stories of things where it can happen, where things can go wrong. The point of these tournaments, is it to attract people from abroad? Is it to attract different sponsorship or is it not? Is it just to to host an event in some place? It depends where you are. So, for example, the point of hosting these tournaments in the UK or in America or whatever is... Actually, that's a terrible example for me to use. America and the UK are totally different. Uh, In the UK, the point of putting the tournaments on is to really bring the talent to your country so that players get the chance to not spend much money but they get the chance to lose to really good players they get to see the standard and then they can improve um in the states obviously the states are so big um they need to put on quite a lot of tournaments just to sort of get people playing enough whereas obviously in the uk you can just pop to europe and you can play all over the place so it's a bit different so you know i mean we talked about this in the summer and remember i rattled off all the interesting places where the junior tournaments <laughs> were i mean because i've had juniors go to playing guatemala um the was it Chuck E. cheese's grade five in guam <laughs> there's would, a tournament I in guam that's the most incredible name for a tournament. 
It's torn in Guam and Chuck E. Cheese put it on. This is amazing. She's going to have to eat Chuck E. Cheese all the time. Here's your lunch voucher. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Unlimited. Whenever you go in there, you just say this and you can have as much as you want. But I I do think it's very interesting if you were to look particularly at the juniors and then the sort of 15,000 level, the satellite level for the men, if you look at where the tournaments are put on, it's absolutely fascinating. I mean, they are all over the place. In these countries that you just would not imagine. I played in a tournament... Uh, it was on an. It was an, in a small part of Indonesia called Tanjung Salor, and they had. <laughs> you could only get there by two hour speedboat, so we had all these tennis players just on this speedboat, trundling along. And they, we were met by the tribe of the the local area, and they had just decided that they basically had this empty swimming pool. They didn't really know what to do with. They converted it into tennis courts and thought we need some tourism, so they put on an international tennis tournament because. But what made you go and play it? What? How is it worth your while traveling on a speedboat for two hours, having a chat with the tribe, playing in an empty swimming pool? To, I, the, the expense you'd have had to pay to get there, I don't get... What do you get out of, of going and playing there? Well, it's because it was kind of a, a series of of tournaments in the area. So I was probably playing some tournaments in India, Indonesia... Uh, I don't know something sort of Southeast Asian as well and it was like right we do four weeks okay this one's in Tanjung Salor in the middle and the other three probably seemed a little more normal (laughs) and then you're suddenly on a speedboat being like (laughs) and this tribe welcome you and it was lovely I mean it was it was uh, yeah very fascinating but you can bring a huge amount of money in and like the tournaments in Egypt has been a huge success um, and you look at what's happening to Egyptian tennis now we were talking about it with, uh, with Roland Garros but it was about it was about boosting tennis in the country. You, know, right. you need to have competition. You need to have good competition. Uh, and you know the guy who was really behind all of the the drive in Egypt. He's a businessman, Mohammed El Ghazwi, who I know very well because I've been to Sharm El Sheikh <laughs> a fair amount of times, either as a coach or as a player. <laughs> I've had an all inclusive holiday there once. <laughs> it's, a lovely, it's a lovely place. But, you know, he was, he owned the hotels. So it was all inclusive. And if you're pulling in, you know, you're guaranteeing sort of 60, 70 people each week because you, most players will travel with somebody else that sort of thing you've got a player and a parent whatever he had a men's tournament on one at one hotel women's tournament at the other hotel though I think now they're together um you know everybody stays at the hotel so that's going into his business but he's paying the money he's he pays the all the prize money he pays for the umpires and for the balls and for all of this sort of stuff so you know he ends up sort of breaking even on on the whole thing it also livens up his hotel a bit through off yeah. season through quiet season uh, and it's great, and it meant that Egyptian players get the chance to play against international people. I mean, Belinda Bencic played there when she was first getting ready. Katie Bolter's out there, former top 100 player. She's out there right now playing. I Just Leila Fernandez, maybe. Yeah. Not. They're playing doubles with her sister. Yeah. Uh, and it does it does two things. It makes it really cheap to play tennis because you can just stay there. for th- People stay there for like three months because it's just the tournaments are week in, week out. It, I mean, it, it, when I was going there before, it was literally 48 tournaments a year. It was every single week of the year. That's incredible. It was, it was absolutely crazy. So you could just... And it meant that you could just go when you wanted. You go, right, I'm going to go... So you could do something like you could coach at home, get some money for a few weeks, do some training, and then say, right, I'm going to Sham for four weeks. Do that. See how many points you pick up and whatever. Or you could end up staying longer. Or It was just totally flexible. And as I say, a huge benefit to Egyptian tennis, which you know, there's no surprise that pretty much... 
I'm going to say, I think it's almost 10 years after he started doing it, they got players. Yeah. They yeah. got actual legitimate players winning rounds at Grand Slams. Now, you've said in the past that when you've had tournament towels, you've given them to people. And mm. in the past, when I've had... Never you, though. The, no, you've never actually given me a tournament towel. And, and in the past, when I've had, especially from Wimbledon, you get these really nice bags. I've given a couple of those away in the past. I was speaking in Paris to a Grand Slam winner who admitted that they used one of their Grand Slam trophies as a fruit bowl. Right. Oh, right. Use, okay. it as, use it as fruit. So I was wondering, have you ever, maybe not used any of your trophies as a fruit bowl, but have you ever passed on any trophies as presents? So as Christmas to an aunt or your mum, I don't know, you got a nice dish from somewhere or this weird looking trophy. Did you wrap it up and pass it off and give them away as presents? <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't give them away as presents. <laughs> but they are all at my parents' house. All? Yes. My parents have a trophy cabinet and they're all in there because... You know, there are only a couple that I actually like, so... Did you keep those? Are they there too? Uh, they are actually still there. Because a lot of time you get dishes, yep. bowls, sort of plates. If you're runner-up, you might get a plate that you could actually maybe use it. And this person I was speaking to yeah. seemed to admit that there was a lot of usage of trophies going on within the house. Well, as a junior, and I think most people listening will know this from any sport that you play, you win a lot of egg cups. Egg cups? Yeah, just egg cups. Just an egg cup? Well, you know, the little silver trophies that you would hold. Oh, just the very the, standard like The little ones. ears with the little yeah. silver. Okay, They're yeah. ultimately just egg cups. I've never thought of them like an egg cup. Well, that's well, kind they're of... They're trophies, aren't they? Not an egg cup, are they? Well, you can call it what you want, but it does a job, <laughs> doesn't it? You can whack an egg in there and you'll be fine. <laughs> Have you? No. <laughs> no, I haven't. Can you imagine what a pretentious pitch that would be? Mm. You sort of dipping into your egg, sitting in a silver trophy. <laughs> Yeah. This is how I have breakfast with Ben at a weekend. Exactly. Because <laughs> it is one of those things that you mentioned the towels and whenever people come over to my house, if they stay, I mean, not that people can stay or have stayed any time this year, but in general, if people come over, they do laugh because all of the towels are from tennis tournaments around the world. Since you mentioned that, I've started to sort of put a few into our bathroom. My other half's like, what's going on? There's currently an Australian Open one from 2016 that I found when I was going through my tidying. Oh yeah, great. So I found this cupboard full of towels nice. that I've obviously bought but never used. So I thought, I remembered you saying that you actually, you, I've never really thought about actually using them. So I shuffled a couple into the bathroom and I was like, uh, what's going on? Why do yeah. we have like Australian Open 2016 and Wimbledon 2014? Yeah. We've got one plain towel that we use uh, and it's the dog towel. <laughs> Because so I, I couldn't bring myself to use a Wimbledon towel so for dog the dog. Doesn't even get a Wimbledon towel. No, he's not getting a Wimbledon towel. Lit, but I've he has a plain towel. Amount of towels and also accreditations that I found when I was going through stuff. Oh, accreditations. But I, I mean, can't yeah. throw them away. I see. I do. Do you? Yeah. I can't. They're memories. But they're not though. They're all the same. People have like hundreds of them. Actually, is your picture you the same one. as when you were like twelve? Sixteen. Yeah. Do you <laughs> I'm 16 everywhere because that was the first time I appeared anywhere so they just got that and photo. as I've got older I want them to keep the younger photo now when I was younger I thought no we need a better photo now I'm like no keep that photo don't have a current one because that one's from like 10 years ago so mm. I can't throw them away actually I'm, I'm a magpie I don't really throw things away so oh, I can't really, really throw that yeah. no, I'm quite ruthless to be no honest. I can't I, I've been a little bit more ruthless but normally I just I just hoard stuff but in um in other news in tennis news someone who is going to stop collecting towels now is Yulia Gurgis because she has laid down the rackets, folded up the towels. She's done. Tennis is over. I know. And I suppose, you know, that was just a, a mental sort of 
she's done with it, wants to move on with her life, go into the next phase. And that's, um, that's great for her. I mean, she's had a fantastic career. I mean, she really, I'm not going to say she was at the peak of her game. Of course not. She's not in the top 10 right now, but she, you know, wasn't long ago. Yeah. Like, you know, you kind of feel like, I mean, we were talking about, I mean, Gerges being a contender I mean, at Wimbledon when she reached the semifinals. Um, you know, she's, uh, you know, she's been a phenomenal player. I'm, yeah, I'll miss her. And you did play her. You didn't think you did for a while. Just, we were having <laughs> we this were conversation. About, we were going to have very loose facts. <laughs> and I thought, especially with Naomi being pregnant, there's a lot going on. She might be moving house. Normally, we don't really talk about any. We just press record and we speak for however long. Yeah. And that's our podcast. But just because she's got a lot going on at the moment, I thought, I'm just going to say look, a couple of things I might mention. And I said, Julie, go get ever played. You went, no. And, and then I said, do you just want to check? <laughs> Well, because we're the same age, so I've been around her a lot. I've been seeing her in lots of different tournaments and that sort of thing, but I was convinced I hadn't played her. And then I thought, well, if we're the same age, like that would be a bit weird if I hadn't played her at all. Like I must have played her in doubles. And it turned out I played her in doubles, yeah, at Wimbledon. At Wimbledon of all places. Yeah, on court one. It wasn't in, in Tanjan Slaw <laughs> places, <laughs> where I would have understood if you maybe have forgotten that doubles first round match on this remote Indonesian island. It was at Wimbledon. Yes, it was on court one, 2010. Court one? Yeah, we were a TBA match. Right. Um, so we played, okay. um, and yeah, we lost in three sets actually, and I completely choked the match. Totally my fault. That was, that was good. But the weird thing we realised about that match is that we were both at Wimbledon that day, both we involved in very different things. And I choked because of your match. It's nothing to do with me. Uh, my match, the match that now has the plaque on court 18. I know. Isna Mahu was going on. And, <laughs> and I on. don't know. And on. Yeah. What I day was it in? What what <sighs> day of Isna Mahu were we in? I think, wait, what did it get to on like the first, the end of the first day? Sort when of the 20s? When the scoreboard broke. Yeah, was, was it like 20s? Day? Probably, yeah. Um, because I was, yeah, so I was playing on court one and this is before you would have live, um, scoring on your phone or anything. So right. if you were in court one as part of the crowd, you would have no idea. Do we scores. not have live scoring on phones? I don't think so. Wow. Not at all. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and basically, um, we won the first set with six, four up and I think, we were like four all or something and I'd been totally fine on my serve and we were winning our service game. And it just kind of felt like, it, Oh, I can't say we were going to win. Uh, I might, we might've been five, four up. We might've been serving for the, I might've been serving for the Ooh. match. I remember it was, it felt like a massive choke. Anyway, so we're having this long game, juice advantage, <laughs> juice advantage, juice advantage. And of course, cause you couldn't check your score, your live scores at the end of uh, the change of ends. Yeah. They would put it up on the screen because yeah. they flash around all the other scores. And it was in the twenties. It was definitely sort of, did you have a big crowd? Court one was. Did you have a big crowd? Fairly. I mean, it was a TBA match, so that means you're the last match of the day. Yeah. And they just whack you on as an extra one because the day's gone quickly on that court. So, I mean, it, was, it wasn't full. Um, it was probably it was probably less than half. And what were there noises when the score came up on the scoreboard and it was getting higher and higher? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We were all looking at it as well and laughing because you know this has hadn't happened before. Um, and I can't I can't remember. I th I'm pretty sure it must have been the end of the first day. I don't know. Anyway, it was, it was like in the 20s or something. It was starting to get pretty crazy. Anyway, so I went into my service game and uh, it was going juice advantage, juice advantage for a really <laughs> long time. And then um, people from the crowd started shouting, hurry up, we want to see the score. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw oh God. And I was just so tight trying to serve for the match. 
uh, and it just didn't help. And so in the end, we lost that game, and then we lost the match. Uh, so that was fine. Um. <laughs> and that was against Gerges. Yeah. Gerges and uh, yeah, Savai. And so I was up on the broadcast roof. Yeah, you were at the match. I'd just been sent up. We didn't have a commentary box, didn't have a seat, didn't have a position. I just had this portable kit with a battery that weighed an absolute ton. And I was leaning over the top, just keeping an eye on a match that no one really thought was going to be thrilling. We thought yeah. there might be a couple of tie breaks in it. It might. It, it wasn't a match of the day. It wasn't one that people were picking out to a highlight of the day of what's to come. And it just built and built and built and built and built <laughs> carried on built. Just for carried the week on. it was a week-long build just carried on going <laughs> it, 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 it was it was incredible and the friendship that Mahu and Isna now have I think is really lovely yeah because what they went through is something you know we all remember those pictures at the end almost holding each other up as they held their crystal vases on court 18 I know. And it was just it, it was oh even Sven Getting a little involved in that. It was, it was, Sven, it was a long match. Yeah. I know. And I'm not sure you love listening to us record our podcast, Sven, <laughs> but you should be our biggest fan. But he's he just, cute, though. But he, well, he's cute, but he's also got that sort of quite, he's just grumpy look, a little bit dismissive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? A little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think so. Now, I you've been, yeah. you weren't locked down, but you were kind of locked down. You were kind of staying in resting yeah getting ready but you've also been working at the same time and i had a little watch this morning of what you've been what you've been working on oh yes yeah we had this video uh i worked with uh, the guys at tennis tv yeah um for atp media to put an, a technical analysis video together of four hands right not Whose just idea was this not their idea or your idea their idea right they said you want to do it and i was like yes right up my street absolutely <laughs> let's go um so yeah we put a really nice little video together of kind of 10 players on the atp and their forehands and a, it's not like i pick apart each forehand at all it's just much more sort of picking out an aspect that they do well so for example roger federer's forehand you can pick out pretty much 25 things that he does to a ridiculous level like he's just so so good on his forehand right if you even if you're looking at the swing you're looking at rhythm momentum contact i mean everything right so i just picked out one thing talking about his precision and his contact point and how that works together um so i did that for sort of uh all of the players and yeah it was really fun to do it's been really well received so you you broke it up into what there was three three different chunks Three different four, forehands? Four, four categories. Right. So three attacking forehands. So yeah. I did uh, a little group of sort of attacking with power. Yeah. So you've got the Del Potro, you've got yeah. Kyrgios, who uh, quite enjoyed his section, actually. Did he me? posted about it on Instagram. Did he? He's very, he's very aware of stuff that's being said and done about him, isn't he? Yeah, and, he enjoys and it. And he's quick to, if he likes something, he's quick to post it and put it on his own platforms. And equally, if he's not happy with something, he's equally happy to get stuck in. Yeah. So luckily, exactly. he liked what you did <laughs> and he liked what you said. <laughs> yeah, he was quite kind to him. So <laughs> I think that's fair enough. When it comes to powerful forehands, how do can you, you not be kind to Do you have a favourite? What, of the players? Of, of the, so in, in your group, so we've got powerful forehands. Do you have yeah. a favourite? Oh, out of the powerful forehands. So we had um, Kyrgios, Del Potro, Edmund and someone else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was somebody else. Was there somebody else? I feel like that. Mm. I feel like that was it. Well, who, who would be your favourite of those? Oh, Del Potro. Oh, I mean, sorry. On. I thought you were going to say Nick Curious. I thought we were carrying on. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Nick. No, no, no. I, I really enjoyed um, doing it because it, it's so 
it's so different because with so many of them, they're so careful about their 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 technique. So you know, Del Potro has to do certain things to be able to execute his powerful forehand. So yeah. I was talking about he needs the distance away from his body laterally so he can use his levers and all these sorts of things, which is really interesting. But it's also very interesting with Kyrgios because some people call it talent, but I would say that because he has focused so much on developing racket head speed, he doesn't need to do the precise stuff that everybody else needs to do. He can literally just obliterate the ball from anywhere in any position. His contact point can be in any place. So, you know, he does have a tremendous amount of talent, of course, but um, so it's just a little bit different to him for, for him. But, um, but yeah, I mean the curious forehands. And out of all of the forehands, of all the ones you covered, of all the players. And were you allowed to choose the players? Yes, yeah, I was. Okay. And I got a little bit of stick for not putting an Andrei Rublev in. Now, I was coming to that because <laughs> as, as a good friend, I wanted to watch what you'd done and I enjoyed it. And I was waiting and I was waiting. And he should have been in the first chunk and he wasn't. I thought maybe you've sidled him into another chunk of your forehands. And I got to the end and I didn't want to be critical right at the end because it's it's like a really good thing you've done. And it's the first one you've done like that. And I thought, I, I don't want to come in with a critique. Where the hell is Rublev? Where the hell is Andre Rublev? <laughs> if we're talking powerful, attacking, big, monster forehands, how on earth is the Russian not in there? It's fair enough. It's a fair point. And we were only doing 10 forehands. So who who would you have got rid of for Rublev? <sighs> well, I, well I obviously no one because I didn't. Oh. <laughs> it was my choice. Can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely can't believe it um, no because I, what I wanted was to do something different for each player so then the next category was attacking with precision mm -hmm. so we had Medvedev and obviously Federer's has the most precise forehand around uh, then we had attacking with taking time away and we had uh, it's past Shapovalov, of course, takes the ball yeah, so ridiculously yeah. early. And we also had defensive forehands uh, with Djokovic and Nadal. And it's quite interesting because as I was doing the research, you know, I was you know watching a lot of points back and and just trying to pick out all these different things. It just struck me that actually there's a reason why the two best players in the world... Like, look, I'm not saying they have defensive forehands. Obviously, when they're attacking, they can attack with precision. They can attack by taking time away. They can attack with power. So I'm not saying that, that they only defend. But I think what sets them apart from the rest is that you just you can't hurt them no. in that corner. I mean, like, I mean, I was just watching all of this footage of these people of opponents, top ten opponents trying to attack their forehands, and you've got Nadal who just rips winners from stupid positions um, on the court, and you just think, why am I going into that corner? I just <laughs> let's try the backhand. <laughs> um, and then you've got Djokovic who I found this one really interesting because I and this is what I was talking about with the analysis is that you think he's going to be defending. You think he should be counter-punching. And because he can slide so well and he can reach the balls quite far away, he can actually just continue attacking. Like it, It's it's almost just totally different to anybody else. Um, like Djok Nadal can come up with these ridiculous shots from those positions, but I think Djokovic particularly, you just, you can't get the, boy, the guy off balance. It's just extraordinary. And we should say with Djokovic that... He was talking because he's at Vienna this week. I mentioned he's a couple of wins away from being year-end number one. But he was talking about the new ranking system staying in place until March. If that's the case, I mean, boy, is he a big winner. ATP Cup won in 2020. Australian Open won in 2020. Dubai won in 2020. And we know that his next 
record and he's very open about chasing history this is what he believes will set him apart from the rest is titles number numbers and records and the next one is the amount of time at number one and with those points staying as they are you're looking at around march time when he's probably going to hit that mark yeah it's pretty good isn't it it's fearsome isn't it it's pretty it's pretty it's good <laughs> yeah i mean and then he's got so many years left He's fresh, he's fit. Okay, you know, he's a similar age to Nadal, but Nadal is trying to manage the body and Fed's older. Like, for Djokovic, he just looks like he's at the peak of his career. And, you know, we're talking about, like you were saying earlier, he should have really won the US Open, to be honest. And, you know, okay, you know, Nadal in the final of Roland Garros, slightly different, but, you know, it's 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 almost surprising when he doesn't win slams. Yeah, I mean, to be, to be honest, I think in any Grand Slam, with the exception of Roland Garros now, a little bit of a surprise if he doesn't win it. Australian Open coming into January, be a bit of a surprise if he doesn't win it. You asked me this, but how many Roland Garroses will Rafa Nadal end up with? Well, that was well, that was Sven. <laughs> Sven, I don't know what number that is. I can't translate that. He's put in a bit of fifteen. Fifteen, <laughs> Sven. So he's he's well, he's now looking. So he's got thirteen. How what's he going to end with? Just Roland, I'm just talking Roland Garros now. 15, I'm going to say... Yeah, I agree you're with, Sven. Going with Sven. Good shout, Sven. <laughs> I th- I'll go 14. I think he'll one continue more. to ride the wave from this one because yeah. he was sensational in this one. And there's not that long to go until the next one if the world writes itself as we believe it. it but it why would do. he stop winning them? What's your reason? Why would he win in, in May, June and then not win after that? Because I not not with anything. I just think that'll be his last Roland Garros because I think that other people are going to continue to get. So better. it's about the rest of the field. And I also think you've talked about him managing and battling his body. I think there's going to come a time. Yes, we know he's playing more back end of this year because he hasn't played like anyone for the majority of the middle part of the year. I just think it's going to come difficult with the body. And I also think that the other people are going to get to that level. I mean, Dominic Team, he is not far away from being at that level. Novak Djokovic, he's still more than capable of getting out there and winning that title. Other players are going to keep getting better and better. And I do think time catches up with us all, whatever we do, whatever we attempt to do. And I just think he was so good this year. He was so incredibly good this year that he will carry that through and he will have that fear factor coming into Roland Garros 2021. I think that's part of it as well. Having We talked about Serena Williams and maybe losing a bit of that aura. So players go out on court and say, I can beat her. I've got a chance of beating her. I think what Nadal did at Roland Garros this year, people are like, can't beat him. That's Look how he made Djokovic yeah. look in the final when a lot of people including myself had tipped Djokovic to win that final with the conditions with the new balls how everything was playing I think he's he's kept and everyone's like Dahl hasn't won a when did he last not when he's never not won a title going into this tournament ah this is ah I just think the fear factor is there we don't have that long until Roland Garros comes around again and I think when he goes back into Roland Garros everyone will be like you can't beat this guy on the surface yeah but I think that I but I agree with you that he will win it next year. Yeah, he will win Roland Garros twenty twenty one. But I just why will he not win in twenty twenty two? You think it's because somebody will take it from him? Somebody like a team, or do you think it will be that his body breaks down? I think a little bit. Or of will both. he stop playing? No, I don't think he'll. I don't. Oh, I don't think he'll stop playing. I might be wrong. I just think it'll be a bit of both. I think a little bit of body, because if we're going back to fairly full schedules and it's about managing the body again and playing everything in the grind I think it actually worked well for him this year having that massive gap when he yeah. could rest the body I think these things help 
certain players. So I think come 20, <laughs> bad with numbers, 2022, <laughs> which is when I'm saying he's not going to win it, I think an awful lot more tennis will have been played. He will be a little bit older, the body will be a little bit wearier. Mm. And I think those other players that are coming, and Dominic team has arrived, will just be at that level. But I, I, I think... I think Who the are the others, though? Yeah, I did clump. I just went others, didn't I? Yeah. Others. <laughs> Somebody will turn up. I, Djokovic. He's, Djokovic is still in the conversation. Federer, no. Fine, yeah. Djokovic is still in the conversation. Yeah. Favrinka, no. Yeah. I'm, t- I, I'm just thinking of people who've Yannick Sinner. Won. Everyone's getting very excited about Yannick. Oh, I think it's fair enough. Well, look, people are getting very excited about Lorenzo Massetti. Fair enough. But I, I, I don't think... <laughs> I think it's slightly different. I don't think... Well, I don't know. That, <laughs> I don't think it's happening in the next year or so. I think Yannick Sinner is... I think Yannick Sinner is phenomenal. You're talking 2022. It's two years. Exactly. He'll be better then. Five years. <laughs> I just think, look, even if there's one person better, then he doesn't win it. Of course. Like, yeah. You don't need 10 people to be better than Nadal for him not to win mm-hmm. it. Well, you need one person. Hey, tell it to Serena. She's what been the about, second best all, like so many times since she's come back. What about Sitspas? What about Sitspas winning a Roland Garros? Yeah. What I about the likes of Daniel Medvedev? I know clay hasn't been his thing, and it, but. It, no. But okay, no. it's not, not going to be in it. But there's there's enough Zverev, Zverev. But you also you say kind of like I'm the giving your names. Now. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. Schwartzman. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I tell you what, God, he's playing well, isn't he? Um, but yeah, I just I don't know. I think with Nadal, the task is so huge, and people and many players have talked about it. Nadal at Roland Garros on Philip Chatrier might be. And people argue this might be the toughest challenge in sport. But it won't always full be. Stop. It will not always be. It is at the moment. He was frighteningly good this year. What was that first set score in the final? Fr- he was frightening. What was the score though against Novak Djokovic, world number one? He was frighteningly good this year. Was it a six-love set? He was frighteningly Did good. Did Djokovic not get a game? <laughs> but this is this is what year are we in? This is twenty twenty. This is God. <laughs> catching baby brain this is 2020 and he was incredible and i think having the gap helped him i think all these things helped him together with it is roland garros we've only got what seven months till the next one so we're going to step onto those clay courts in may june yeah we'll start in may and we'll be like whoa we will still remember very very clearly what he did earlier this month which was terrifying, right? Yeah, but, but this then, is not the bit I'm disagreeing you, with you but about. You add, no, but then you add on. <laughs> I know another, he's going to win in May. Yeah, but then you add on another 12 months when you've got the full fixture fixture list again, we hope. And you get to the end of the year when his body's not quite there and he's not playing as well and it's getting harder and he's having to manage himself a little bit more and other people are playing a little bit more. Yeah, but and that's been happening level. for years and but, he's been winning Roland Garros for years. But he's going to get older every year. These things are going to catch up with him. These things, you've started to see Federer looking, don't want to say it, a little bit old. But Nadal could literally just play the clay every year. Yeah, but year. I don't think he will because that's not him. He will play others and then I, which can be to his detriment. I don't think he should play grass ever again. He doesn't need to. I, I really yeah. don't think he should play grass ever again. Like like Federer didn't play clay for a little bit. I don't think Nadal, but Nadal does. That's the kind of person he is. He wouldn't just yeah. unwrap himself from his cotton wool play clay and wrap himself back up again because he's interested in titles and records even if he's not as outgoing about it as Djokovic he still wants that stuff I just think it's I I might be wrong I I think he'll get one more I think he will be frightening again next year and then after that I just think the other tournaments he plays at where if people beat him you then chip away at the aura you chip away at the magic Mm. you chip away at the fearsomeness so what I'm saying is there'll be enough chipping away done that by Roland Garros 
2022, he will be beaten. Okay. Have I convinced you at all? No. <laughs> You've convinced me of your passion. I'll I'll give you that. But I think um, just just to to round that off. Love I mean, when it comes to the records, <laughs> it is quite extraordinary how you know we th- thought that you know when Pete Sampras won all of his Wimbledon's, we you know straight away it was just kind of like oh that's never going to happen again. I mean, he won seven, yeah. didn't he? And then literally the guy next <laughs> won eight. <laughs> It's like, and will it be the same with Nadal? I mean, will he win, say, 15 Roland Garros titles? 14. Um, for, 14 and a half. Will he win, um, you know, a ridiculous amount of Roland Garros titles? And then we'll be saying, this will never happen again. And then somebody no, will just do it. It will never happen Will again. it? I mean, because they have, yeah, have to turn up at like 18 like he did, won't they? It's not going to happen again. Yeah, but we never thought it was going to happen with the Do you think thing. it'll happen again? Well, I don't know, because we never thought that it was going to happen with the Wimbledon titles. And with Isna Mahu, we thought it was never going to happen again. And the only reason it's never going to happen again is because everybody's changed the rules. <laughs> that's, that's why it's never so going to happen again. Because those two semi-finals at Wimbledon uh, last year were obviously not Isna Mahu levels, but they were pretty ridiculous. <laughs> I don't think what Nadal has done or will eventually end up doing will ever be matched. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. And one thing... That I've started doing since last week. I've started buying Christmas presents. I just want Already? to Already? that. Yeah, I haven't got you know yours. it's October. You're a very difficult person to buy for. Mm. I think I've... I bought you a Christmas tree last year. Yeah. Um, I went down I, well. I've plenty of ideas for the little one. Okay. Well, that's fine. You're a, li- you're a little bit harder. But I've started buying Christmas presents and ordering Christmas food. And I've never been this organised. I don't know if... Because you've had the time. I don't know if it's old age. I don't know if it's lockdown. And I don't know if it's because I've had all this time. But I've I've literally I haven't got everything, but I'm I'm really organised. It's, it's impressive. Fi- it works. Well, it's I'm Christmas fi- soon. I find it slightly unnerving because it's October, and do you know what? This morning at breakfast with the boys, we played Christmas music. Really? <laughs> That'd be bad not in my house. Not it, in October. It just it just it just came on, but it was like right. yeah. Where did it come well, on? Because you know you have a, a shuffly thing on your speaker and then playlists and things, and it popped right. Up. But we didn't move it on. We let it play. Wow. And the Christmas tree, 1st of December, it's in. Okay, it's December's in. fine. First, but the first. You can do as much Christmassy stuff in December as you From want. From the first. The thing is, is that I've not even considered Christmas because you've I've got, got a, no, you've got a lot to think. I just, <laughs> it's a lot happening. I might even send you another Christmas tree because I just feel that this year you've got a lot to do. If I make with. it to Christmas, Okay, we're you're going to well. make it to Christmas. Whether you'll be in your new house or not, we're not sure. You will have a beautiful little baby. But you've got a lot. You've got a lot going on. Yeah. And again, this is my disclaimer: if the pod disappears for a week or two or more, Naomi's had a baby. Yeah. That's 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 how you know. Because sometimes when we do, you can talk to yourself. Yes. Yeah, so for a while. So I can just tell you why I think Rafa Nadal yeah. will <laughs> just be more. <laughs> that could be a special podcast. <laughs> why I think he will win fourteen and no more. People going stop, stop talking. <laughs> but yeah, that is that is my disclaimer. If if we disappear for a little bit. Um, Name he's given birth. That's yeah. pretty much it. Right? Yeah. Yep. Oh no. Um, I'm cold. Yeah. Slightly I'd, I'd, wet. I'd like a refresh of tea, please. Yeah, because it's now just full of rainwater. And Sven has finally fallen asleep. So we've yeah. done it. We've sent the dog to sleep. <laughs> We're a little bit wet. And this is probably the last podcast we will do actually together as as two people. For a while. As a while. For a while. For as a while. while. <laughs> I think look, baby brain's catching. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go and get dry. 
and send you off Perfect. on your way. Bye. Bye.